Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I've been waiting... I've been waiting a long time to feel like I'm feeling right now. I uh, I don't even know where to begin. I was so beat up from COVID and the recovery process of that, that it lasted, man, I swear it lasted for a month. Just the, um, just the after effects from it, the, the, uh, the exhaustion, I lost my voice and I was, I think I did last, I think I did nine events in one week. That's how nine post-traumatic purpose events in one week, four hour courses. And I was just or like a week and a half, two weeks, something like, something like that. It's probably right around the two-week mark. But I was smoked, man, and I couldn't recover, and I'm literally hotel to hotel to hotel, and my body just just was not having it. And so finally, finally I'm back. Like I, I feel good. I'm not run down. I actually – I've got a lot to talk about today. If you're here for any – if you're here for this episode for any specific content, I don't think you're going to find it. I think I'm 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 literally about to be all over the map. I'm trying to crush this episode. Uh, today is Friday, October the seventh. Uh, happy birthday to my big sister Jessica. I love you. Um, today's her birthday. And normally, you know, I record. I'm a couple. I'm a couple of uh, episodes forward, but today I'm not. I I wasn't able to record on the road. I had I I didn't have the energy to do it. So I'm back, and I have something to tell y'all. Like. I had an epiphany, all right? And you know how you know how I talk about me like sitting to pee. Like if you've if you've been here for a long time, you know that I sit to pee. And you know that I'm a proud man and I'm very proud that I sit down to pee. I have nothing to hide. There's no shame in my game. I don't feel feminine for it. I'm a still I'm still a very masculine man that can sit down and have a good long pee. All right. I mean, I'm going to tell y'all a story and I mean this. So last week I was in Pittsburgh and I was fortunate enough to be brought up to do uh, two post-traumatic purpose events in Pittsburgh. And I got to meet so many people that um, I've never met face to face. And this, that's the cool thing about what I do. It's, uh, you, you, you have a bunch of people that support you on Instagram. And when you get to meet those people, it's real and it's very special. Um, 
Don, I can't I can't say enough about you, man, and I can't say enough kind words about you. Don is I, I don't know if it's a deputy fire chief of Allegheny uh, Fire Marshal's office. I don't even know if I said that correctly, but he's up there, and what a what a stud! Just a wonderful guy, and there's just so many people. Um, I had a I had a really cool flag made for me. Um, gentleman made a made a uh, American flag out of fire hose, and one side was painted red, one side was painted blue, and they were coupled together, and that symbolized my background of fire and law enforcement. Uh, and this young lady brought her um, canine Bailey out. Uh, I believe her name was Michelle. Just forgive me if you're listening, and I get names wrong. It's just I, I meet so many people. But I just want to say thank you, man. I, the, the support in Pittsburgh was so overwhelming. Um, I can't thank Christy enough for putting the event on. George, thank you for coming out from the fire marshal's office too. And just so many people. We, I think we had 170-something people for the uh, the first event. I even met two people that I had previously had phone conversations with. Uh, you know, so... I try to get back with everybody on Instagram when I can. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes I just, I can't get to people, but I had two conversations with two young ladies at different periods of time. One was from the medical examiner's office. One was another law enforcement officer and they came up and they remembered those conversations and they had the, they had to remind me cause it's, I have a lot of conversations with people, but then I, as soon as they started talking about it, I remembered it and it's just, it's super special. And I just wanted to say, thank you. Um, to Pittsburgh for having me out. The The second day I did a uh, post-traumatic purpose therapy session, actually. It's the first time I've ever done this. We sat down with uh, about 15 to 20 clinicians and um, therapists, and we sat in a circle, and we just talked. We were at this Japanese Zen garden. I don't remember the location, but it's a Japanese Zen garden. It was a beautiful place, and we had lunch out there, but we sat in a circle, and some of these therapists, this, I'm, I'm going to talk about some of this here in a little bit, some of these therapists had no idea what it's like to work with a first responder and they were in family therapy and they were considering making the switch. And so the way that I started the conversation was just like this. You know me, I don't, I don't bite my tongue. I sat there in that room with those therapists. I was extremely uncomfortable just because of the way it was set up and they were going around, they were doing introductions. And when it was time to, when it was time to get to business, I talked to them. I said, look, I said, for those of you here that haven't worked with first responders yet, this is going to be your introduction. And you need to understand that you're going to be talking with people like me. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you some of my thoughts. And when I was sitting there, I asked them, I said, when, I, when you all came into this room, did you feel safe? And every single one of them said yes. I said, because I watched every single one of you walk in here and I watched you sit down without a care in the world. I watched you sit down, not worrying about where exits were. I was not worrying about who's to your left, who's to your right with your backs to windows. I was seated with my back to a wall where I could see one exit and the other exit was behind me, but it was far enough behind me. I could hear the door if it tripped. All right. And I told them I sat in this seat specifically this seat, there was not one other seat in here that would work for me. I said, I sat here because when somebody comes through that door and they start shooting, I've already pictured all of your bodies dead. I've already pictured, and I looked at one lady and I said, I pictured your brains. I picture you falling out of your chair because you're shot in the back of the head. I picture you laying there and your brains all over the floor. I picture 
all of your bodies burnt beyond recognition because this is true when I talk to people. I'll just put this out there. A lot of times, that's how I picture people. I, I picture them, their um, unrecognizable burnt corpse. And I know that's hard to hear, but this is what I go through. This is what I experience. Sometimes I'm having conversations with people and I'm and I'm literally watching the skin fall off of their face while I'm talking to them. Not in reality, but in my mind, that's what's happening. And I'm worrying, or not worrying, but I'm wondering what their skull looks like with no flesh on it. And it's I know this is very, very hard to hear, but it's so true. And you could see the eyes open up in the into the, the young ladies that have not talked about uh, or talked with first responders. And then I didn't stop from there, man. I went on for an hour and a half. I went on and talked about this experience, that experience. And I sat there and I told them about how you are not, some of you might not be ready. And some of you, you got to be very careful when you're talking to these first responders because you can shut them down so quickly because when they get to a point where they feel like they can come and talk to you, if they can't relate to you, you're done. They're going to shut it down and they're never coming back. But man, it was such a wonderful experience because they had so many questions. They were so intuitive. They were so curious. They, I sat there and, and answered questions for what seemed to be, you know, better part of an hour. And, uh, I liked it. It was neat because it, it was nice talking to people that when I, when I teach post-traumatic purpose for the most part, most most people there, they get it, all right? There's some that don't, which I'm going to make a funny comment about some shit here in a minute. Um, I got a complaint at one of my events because, and I tell people when they set it up, I'm like, listen, we do not play patty cake in, in post-traumatic purpose events. This is the only way to handle mental health is to grab it by the balls, is to address it, and is to talk about what it really is, not skirt around it. So I had a social worker at one of my events. Actually, there was a couple social workers. And I always take attendance when, not attendance, but I ask people to raise their hand. I'm like, firefighters, let me see you. Police, let me see you. Dispatchers, jailers, EMS, paramedics, spouses, tele, um, telecommunications. Just I try to point everybody out. And then when I'm done with that, I say, are there any civilians in here? And then they raise their hand. Well, apparently the social workers had a problem with me referring to them as civilians. And there was a complaint there. And it's like, well, I'm not really sure what to call you. And here we go with this inclusion thing. They, their complaint was they didn't feel included. And I tried to do the best I could to include them. And I told them, I actually have a disclaimer in the beginning of my course that, you know, that this is not for the faint of heart and you can get up at any time. You are not here against your will kind of thing. Um, but they had some complaints because they don't get it, man. People do not get what first responders go through. They think they know. But honestly, they don't want to know. I have seen this multiple times from people that will come out that they think they want to know. They think that this is um, this is going to be a good experience for them. And it's not. It's, it's the complete opposite because it's too informative. It is just too much for some people to handle. And the more I thought about it, I was like, man, I should open these events up to the public. Fuck no, I'm not opening it up to the public. I'm staying with my my core group of people. Now, I'm going to get back to this sit to pee thing. I told you we were going to be all over the place, all right? I'm in Pittsburgh. 
I finally started feeling good, man. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go work out for the first time in a month. And uh, I woke up. I go to the gym. I'm in there. And all of a sudden, I just it starts getting back on me. The COVID, the, 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 the long COVID, the, uh, the after effects from it. I started getting dizzy. My um, my vision was starting to blur out a little bit, and I was I, I wasn't nervous, but I was concerned. I was like, man, I need to I need to go lay down because I have another event tomorrow. I was like, let me go let me go sit down to pee real quick. And I'm at Planet Fitness. <laughs> People, I don't know what our country's coming to, but here here we go. So I go in the locker room. I walk in there. And I picked the first stall. There's, I don't know, there's probably eight stalls, I think it was. Five stalls, something like that. And there's nobody in the locker room. It's just me. I walk in, but the gym is the gym is full. And you never, it's weird because you never really have a locker room all to yourself. So I got comfortable. I sat down. I pulled my trousers down. I'm sitting down to pee, and I'm scrolling through my phone. And my sit to pees, they turn into a an adventure, right? Because I'm always scrolling. I'm just looking on the phone. And I was already done working out, so I was just sitting there. And you know how when you're in the bathroom and you think you're alone in there and then you start hearing things and I'm not trying to get graphic in here, but you, you know what I'm talking about? Like other stalls, you start, you start hearing echoes in, 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 in the bowl kind of thing. Well, I heard that and I didn't think anything of it, man. I mean, look, dude, I was, I was in the Marine Corps, dude, when the, the fire department, I mean, it's like, whatever dudes, dudes will be dudes, right? And then I look up at the stall door and I would and, and and I saw a sign on the back of the door. And you know how Planet Fitness is very inclusive. Planet Fitness wants to include everybody. And it's a hard place to work out because they 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 talk about um, not being judgmental, but they have all these judgmental signs all over the place. It's 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 really weird. Like they they're like if you wear a shirt like this, you know, you don't belong here or something and then but then in the same sentence they're telling everybody they belong. So anyway, I look up at this sign on the back of the stall door while I'm scrolling and sitting down to pee. I got sweat dripping down my face, you know. I'm like, all right. And I look at this sign, and and I'm just like, what is this fucking country coming to? And this is what the sign said. The sign said, do not flush feminine products down the toilet. And I sat there and thought about this for a minute as I'm sitting there like a grown man in an aggressive peace stance while I'm sitting down. And I, I, I was like, you know, I get it if people want to be something else, but why do we have to put signs up in the bathroom? In the, You know what I mean? We're in the locker room. Why does there have to be a sign talking about feminine products? And so I pulled my pants up. I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here, man. And I pulled my pants up, and I hear some more echoing in the bowl down <laughs> at the other end and I almost said bro don't flush your feminine products you know but I, I didn't I kept it to myself I went and I washed my hands even though I didn't need to because when you sit to pee you don't touch anything you just you know drip dry but dude I finished washing my hands and I walk out of the locker room and something told me to turn around and I did and when I turned around what I saw repulsed me and it made me question my very own manhood. I'm being dead serious when I tell you this. I turned around and you know what I was looking at? 
I was looking at a plaque where the doorway that I just walked out of, I was looking at a plaque that said ladies room. You heard me right. That whole time I was sitting down to pee in the women's locker room. No wonder there was only five or six stall doors. I didn't see any urinals. You would think that would have been a red flag. No urinals. Thank God I didn't say, bro, don't flush your feminine products while that lady was down there clearly burping from her behind into this bowl. Like, I don't know what taco joint she hit before she came to the, to the gym. But then I felt extra nasty because I didn't think girls did that, you know, like, and now I'm like, all right, this is gross. But then I thought about it. I was like, dude, sitting to pee almost burns me. Could you imagine? I couldn't imagine if I were working out in that gym and I had my daughters at that gym and I saw a motherfucker that looked like me roll up out of the ladies room or if my wife were in there and some dude rolled up in there, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think that I could question why are you in there? I think I would, I know the old me, I would want to go into full out assault mode, but now it's like, how can you question anything? Right. Uh, I immediately thought, well, fuck. I was like, I'm going to jail. And I got nervous, right? Because I'm a good dude, man. I don't break laws and shit. I don't do weird shit like that. It's an honest mistake. The locker rooms are right there next to each other. The doorways literally are right there next to each other. That's why I think uh, in, in gyms and places, the locker rooms need to be on separate sides. So there is no misinterpretation. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, somebody questions me. I'm just going to say this is how I identify today. This is real. I talked to Don about this at the uh, at the event. He was crying, laughing. He, he was like, so I actually went and stretched, and I was laying there, and I was like, I know the cops are going to come in any second. I'm going to get locked up here. Um, but they didn't. And fortunately for me, there was that was it. You know, it wasn't, nobody made a big deal of it or anything. And maybe it's just Pittsburgh. Maybe Pittsburgh's cool like that now. And maybe they're just gender neutral. And honestly, that's, I really think, like, I don't think you can even get in trouble for that anymore. But it was a, it was a, it was a weird experience. And what I learned from it was this, I got to start peeing like a man. I got to, I got to stop this. I got to stop this, um, being so comfortable because I got so comfortable. I let my guard down and, and that was, that was not good stuff. So I left Pittsburgh and I went to Middletown, Connecticut, where we had a, another amazing event. We had a, uh, it was a smaller event, but it was really good. It was at a middle school with probably the coolest auditorium slash theater I've ever um, had the pleasure of working inside of. I've performed when comedy in some beautiful places and I've spoken in some beautiful places, but this was a middle school and this was Hollywood style. I mean, this thing was cool, but uh, got to hang out in Middleton, um, Middletown, I can't, I always, always mess it up. I got to meet my buddies there, got to hang out. We went out for a good dinner and all that. And, and, uh, the guys, they were, they were really cool, uh, and welcoming the girls too. Everybody was so welcoming and friendly and we had the canines, man. It's, it's always such a blessing. You had the canines out. Um, don't, I don't want to forget canine Bailey from Pittsburgh. And then we had, um, damn it, bear canine bear at, um, Middletown and then we had a couple other canines. Uh, after that, I went to DeSales University in Center Valley, Pennsylvania. And that was a very, uh, very fun event. That was probably 
80 to 100 people at the sales and it was all, you know, EMS and fire and police and spouses and stuff, but it was a very tight, intimate group. And we had a lot of fun, you know, um, I'm going to tell you like one, one of these days, I'm not going to tell you where, but one of the days I was there in on this, this last tour I did, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to go to Indianapolis next uh, here in a couple of days, but I was sitting down with a police officer and we were just talking, we were having a conversation about how things have changed. And he was telling me, he was telling me some stories that were kind of repulsive um, because he does, he, he, he worked in child sex crimes and uh, we didn't get into details, but he told me like some, some things about um, suspects and just how we agreed that it's just a sickness that I don't think that they can, I don't think that they can kick that. And I'm not going to get into why, because I don't want to have that conversation here. It's just weird. But he was telling me like how it was fucking him up working in, in that, uh, in that unit. And he didn't ask to go to that unit. And that made me think, I was like, wow. I was like, you know, think about the damage some of these administrations can do to people just by putting them in a unit. They don't even want to be in, in the first place. You can't unsee that stuff. You can't unhear it. You can't unexperience those things. And you could tell he was clearly bothered by it. We, uh, we continued talking and <laughs> I don't know if there's truth to this, but and so I'm not going to say that he said that this is 100% in stone, but he told me that he heard that the police academy now has stress cards for their, uh, for their recruits and they get one stress card for the academy. And when they get stressed to the max and they just can't take it anymore, they get to show that card and go back to their fucking room and be left alone for the day. If there's any truth to that, I'm going to explain something right now. If there's any truth to that. And you think going to the police academy is a good idea for you. And you entertain that fucking card. If you don't take that card and tear it up and throw it in the fucking trash on day one. If you for two seconds think, hey, I might need this at some point. Fuck you and leave the job. Fuck you. Resign before you get started. Because it's somebody like you who's going to get people killed. It's somebody like you who is going to show up to a gunfight. And you can't handle the stress from that. And now you're smoked or and other people get smoked. This job is so real. These professions are so real. That's why I tell these recruits when I came in. Oh, I think I talked about this on the last podcast. My recruiting poster was cops on TV. And I didn't realize the real police world's nothing like that. Nothing like that. You don't get to see what the real police world's like. You got to wait until you get into that. And it's, I don't get me long winded, but I thought about that. And then I thought about the military and I thought about these stress cards in the military. And it just, man, I just, I'm so old school. I come from a different, I, I guess I'm a dinosaur. I think if you're going to get to the point where you can't handle the stress, you don't need to be in this profession at all. I do understand this job is this, these professions are stressful as fuck. I get it. But you got to be prepared because these incidents that happen, they don't tell you they're coming. They just show up. And if you're not ready, you're dead and your partner's dead or somebody else is dead. And it's just not fair. Um, I think the best way that we can work on stress is work on the mental health of it all and tell these young recruits when they're coming in, look, when you go back to your room at night, 
You need to find a way to decompress before you come back and play ball the next day. Cause this is what it's really going to be like. You're going to have to go home at the end of a shit shift and then you're going to have to saddle up and, and you're going to have to show up for the next one. And that, that's just, that's just the honest truth. I remember one night on patrol, and I've told this story before, being being beat within about an inch of my life. I didn't get to stick my hand in my pocket and pull out a stress card. I didn't. I was fortunate. I was fortunate John Reynolds was there to to help me out and help, you know, per the report. He just removed the suspect off of me. But on the, if I if I were to say what really happened. I can't. So that's another conversation we had, man. It's a conversation. You know what? I'm not even fucking going to talk about that. Um, all right. Y'all can figure out where that was going. Let's talk about the prisons that we build. I want to talk about this because this is completely shifting gears. But I want to talk about something. And I've been guilty of this. All right. Think about think about your home, right? Think about the place, your safe space. What, what do you do? You end up making it so comfortable that you never want to leave it. You end up staying in the same place. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw a general blanket statement out there. Um, I don't want to talk about anybody in particular, but I'll speak for myself. Fuck it. When I bought this farm, I made it so comfortable and I made it so like enticing that it's hard for me to leave it. So I can't imagine like when I'm out here, I hate leaving the gates. I hate going to the store. I hate going to the gym. I hate doing anything. I just want to be here and nowhere else. The problem is that's not healthy because you think if you're on the job for a long time and, and, and you finally get to retirement, if you spent your entire life dreading uh, leaving your place and going to work, that when you're done working, that is your reason to leave. The only thing you have now is your home. I know people that become hermits, like literally hermits. And I think it's part of you get to a point in your life where nothing really interests you anymore or you're scared to go out into the real world because you don't want to leave the safety of your your prison. And it saddens me because... I, I was looking so forward to getting back to this place, right? When I was on when I was on tour last week, I just couldn't wait. I drove 12 hours back from Pennsylvania. I could not, or 11. I couldn't wait to get back here. And then when I got in here, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. I was safe. I was comfortable. And then the next day, I had to go back to the city. And I had to go back because my family's there. My kids are there. They had uh, sports. They got jiu-jitsu, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And it took everything I had to leave this place. I actually, it almost, it made me almost feel unwell. I, I was feeling very um, anxious because I did not want to leave this. And I started thinking, I was like, man, I have built a prison for myself. I guess what I'm getting at is don't make sure that your, your place, your, the place that you escape to the place that you decompress Make sure it's comfortable for you, but make sure it's not so comfortable that it steals from you. And I, I don't even know if steals is the right word, but it constricts you and it confines you to that life, that lifestyle. There's so much life out there to live. There's so many experiences to be had. But when we surround ourselves with extreme comfort, 
it's hard to leave that. You ever notice when you're laying in a very comfortable bed, you can lay there for like 20, 30 minutes after your alarm goes off because you just don't want to get up. It's too comfortable. And what it does is it starts putting you you behind on your entire day. It starts messing up your productivity. And it's the same thing with our lifestyles when we build our own prison around us, when our home is our prison. And you eventually get to a point that you don't need to leave it because you have everything you need inside of there. You have everything you need except experiences on the outside. And I want you to just think about that because that's that that's very important to me because I know people like that too. Um, I, I I know m- multiple people that way, and they always they always give you that same excuse. Well, I like it. I like it the way that, that I like the way that this is, and I don't I don't really need anything out there. Nah, nah, that's not true. And you're scared. <laughs> you're scared. Trust me, I've been there too. I'm going to flash back real quick to my conversation with that police officer. I told y'all we were going to be all over the place this week. I'm, I'm scrambling to be able to just to, just to get this episode out. So, um, it is what it is. You know what else I was told? I was told that they're starting to waive the polygraphs to lower the standards for police officers. Now you got to think how, how fucked up this is. When they start lowering standards for police officers, that's bad enough. But now you're going to get rid of the polygraph, the one thing that single-handedly cuts through a lot of lot of bad applicants. Because there's a lot of applicants that come in and they got some dirt on them. And then when they come there, that that polygraph helps weed them out. And look, do, do I think the polygraph is 100% effective? No, but it definitely is effective. It will definitely weed some people out. But when you start getting rid of that, what are we doing? You know, I think one of the most intimidating things about being hired in law enforcement was the polygraph and guess what? The mental wellness test. You had to take a psyche vow to get the job. Guess what you don't have to do when you're on the job? Take another psyche vow. Holy shit, ever think about that? You ever think about when you pass a psyche vow coming on and then 10 years into that job, if they did another psyche vow on you, they wouldn't hire someone based off of the scores that you would have. So why are you allowed to keep your job at that department? It goes back to departments don't want to know how fucked up people really are because then they are liable. So when a police officer messes up, it's easier to just throw them under the bus and get rid of them and say they aren't right. Something's wrong with them. He went rogue when the whole time we could have been taking care of that person. Don't even get me started down that rabbit hole. Um, I had to do something for myself. Um, I talk about self-care and selfishness and I talk about that in my, in post-traumatic purpose, how you got to learn the art of self-care and it's hard because we spend our entire lives taking care of everybody else and putting everybody else first. So when it comes down to taking care of us, that is foreign to us. Like how do we put ourselves first? And this is going to sound minor, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. With my business, with the things that I run, nothing comes before the emails, the text messages, and the phone calls. I don't care what it is I'm doing. If one comes through, I answer it. You know what majority of the people that email me say? This is what this is what they say when they fill out an inquiry form. The second I read it, I'm usually calling them the next minute. I don't I don't play games. I'm not one of those, well, I gotta seem busy and I'll call you in two days, three days. No, I call you right fucking now. Because there is no time like the present. I'm a conversation guy. I like to talk. I, well, it's not I like to talk to people. But I don't want to do this over 
email and over text because I need to hear your voice. I'm really good at reading people. That's what I do. And every time they're like, man, I didn't, I can't believe you called so quickly. And I'm what, what blows my mind is I don't understand how people think that that's so, so weird. And I'll tell you why, because nobody works like that. People don't have work ethic anymore. So what I'm getting at is this, I put everything first, except myself, right? So when I'm coming back on the road, the first thing I do, I come in, I hug my wife and kids. I pull out my computer. I go straight to the back. I don't care if I've been gone a day or two weeks. I go straight to my office. I open my computer. I got a stack of mail there that's usually waiting on me. And I start going through it. And I never, ever, ever say, you know what? I'm going to let that shit wait. Well, look what it does to me. It stresses me out. It uh, it gets your um, your anxiety up. It's, it's unnecessary stress. I don't know if any of you are, are like that out there. It's hard for me to relax. So I made myself relax. Check this out. I came in the other night after an 11-hour drive. I pulled up on my farm, and I start... I get my QB, my big spotlight, and I go out there and I start looking at the pastures. I find the animals. and I'm like, man, I got to get this grass cut. I had three trees down from the storms. Three trees took out three sections of my fence. Now, they they were manageable. They weren't, you know, like uh, dangerous enough to where the animals could escape. But it's still, I have to repair them. Uh, fortunately, my wife and kids took care of one. They pulled out the chainsaw, handled business, and uh, they got it. They got it shored back up. Here's the problem. I couldn't sleep that night thinking about the work I had to do the next morning, but I also couldn't sleep that night because I had tons of emails I had to get back to. I had people, um, that because I was on the road and they were coming in and I wanted to make sure that I did my follow-up calls with people the next day because I have multiple people on the roster for 2023 and they, um, I, let's just say I need to, I got to check in with them every once in a while because they have bigger things than Travis Howells to worry about. So I understand that because they're running cities and government agencies. So I still have to follow up to make sure when I'm building my schedule out, but I thought about, I got up the next morning and I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do something for me. I got to practice what I preach. So what I did was this, I put all of my work to the side. This is the first time I've ever done this. The literally the first time. I put it to the side. I went and I mowed all my grass. I spent hours out there in the nice, cool uh, weather, the sun on my face. I had coffee that morning and just enjoyed it. And it was amazing. It allowed me to recharge my batteries. And I, I preach this stuff all the time, but I'm telling you, it can wait. That's my new motto. It can wait. I haven't been living by that. I talk about it all the time. I tell people the what to do. I tell people make time for yourself. And I'm just so guilty of it. I've done 75 events this year. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm beat down. I'm run into the ground. My heart's in the right place. I know what I'm doing is important. But I also have to take time for me. Now, I can't cancel any events that I have. I got, I got you know, several more before the year's out. I, I don't know, like seven or eight. But December the 7th is my last one. It's for the Florida um, Florida Wildlife Commission. 
and it's down in I can't remember the name of the city, but it's down in Florida near Tampa, um, Crystal River. There we go. And after that, I'm taking the rest of the year off, and I'm taking a good bit of January off until I have to do the Florida Fire Chiefs Conference in Daytona. Um, today, I had multiple calls come in, and one of the hardest thing it was for me was to push those dates off. And what I did was this: I just told the people, I said, "Look." I'm booked this year. I'm full. I'm not taking any more dates this year. I just can't. And they, they understood that. And so what we did, we locked them in in 2023. And that's how you got to start taking care of yourself. I mean, whatever, whatever business you're in, if your foot is on the gas all the time, you're going to, you're going to get burned out. You're going to get exhausted. You have to take some time for you. Please do that. Understand that when you get burned out, guess what? Guess who else gets burned out? Everybody around you. You start taking things out on them, whether you know it or not. They feel it. They understand that. They uh, they pick up those vibes from you. They they walk a little bit um, more on their tippy toes. They watch things that they say because they know you're on edge and your family. That's what they try to do. They try to take care of you any way that they know how. So for them and for yourself. Take your foot off the gas for a hot second. It can wait. I say that to end with this piece. Well, not not to end the, the thing, but the podcast. I was so happy. I don't know that there there's been a time in recent years where I was as happy as I was the other day. I came back home. I put my all my work to the side. Stuff that I thought couldn't wait, I let it wait. And I'm going to tell you right now, when I got back to my family the, that day, that afternoon when I, when I went home, the happiness that I had was infectious. I'm talking big smiles, singing songs, hugging everybody. Like, like it made me feel good. And what it was was I took a dose of me medicine. I took a, I took a dose of chill the fuck out and enjoy life. And do the things you care about and do the things you love. Because work will always, always, always be there. Try it. Try putting your shit down. Try putting your shit to the side and just going home and spending time with people that you care about. Do it without thinking about work. And I promise you, when you go back, all that work's going to be right there waiting on you. It never goes away. I was going to tell you all about jiu-jitsu, but I'm at 37 minutes and we're almost out of time. So... The next episode, I'm going to tell you about jiu-jitsu and losing my shit in Dunkin' Donuts in the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. You are not going to want to miss this. Um, so but that'll be the next episode. I uh, This week, I'm in Indianapolis. I'll be in Indianapolis on, when is it? Wednesday, but I fly out Tuesday. And then after then, I have Des Moines, Iowa. Then I have Greenwood, Indiana and Beaver Creek, Ohio, baby. And then uh, after that, oh, I meant to tell you, my, my Canada dates, they actually did me a solid. They wanted to reschedule for 2023. So I was going to be in Calgary, Alberta, and Edmonton, Alberta, November the 1st and the 2nd. They called, and they want to push to 2023. And I was like, hallelujah, give me a couple extra days doing shit that I love to do on my farm, kissing my donkeys and shoveling donkey shit. I'm all about it. Um, November the 7th, I'm in Fairfax, Virginia. November 15th through the 17th, we have six events uh, in Moline, Illinois. And then, like I said, to wrap up the year, December the 7th, Crystal River, Florida, baby. I love y'all. Thank you so much.